Your news, your entertainment, your business. We're on a mission from God. This is the Rich Rothman Show. Hey, we're back. This is uh, Richard Rothman, and uh, this is Bruce Frazee. It's the Rich Rothman Show on Friday afternoon. Feeling good about that? Juan, do you feel good today? It's a Friday? Perfect. Perfect. She feels very, very good. I feel airy today. I feel like doing that. I don't know why, but somehow it's like an asthmatic moment for me. So good morning, good afternoon, good day. Have a wonderful time. It's uh, that time of the year, that time of the day. It's Rich Rothman. We're here for the next two hours, and we have a wonderful show planned for you as long uh, as you're here and listening to us. And we all know that pretty soon you're going to be leaving your offices. It's 4 o'clock. And... Um, driving. They're going to be driving. Well, it's not really driving. You know, they're going to be uh, off and running in the wonderful world of US-1 and I-95. Hello, everybody. We have a really interesting show today. A good part of the show is going to be dedicated to um, women in business. As you may or may not know, there are a number of awards handed out last week to uh, uh, women who have been in business for many, many years and have done wonderful jobs, wonderful work, running great corporations. Uh, the interesting thing that we're going to talk about a little bit is uh, how difficult it is for women to actually achieve in business in the world in general. I mean, certainly uh, it is in the United States. There's this glass platform that you have to break through, barrier. And, uh, you know, and it actually when we talk about Title IX sexism in schools, which is something I was involved with many, many years ago, you're going to understand that this whole concept of sexism really starts at a very, very young age when, um, you know, young boys and young girls. And they get tracked very, very often. And, 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 and as we were discussing with Letty yesterday a little bit, that very often people start getting tracked before they're even born. Because we decided a room has to look a certain way. If it's going to be a girl, it's got to be pink and all that other stuff. And if it's going to be a boy, it can have uh, whatever considered to be masculine colors. Maybe uh, black, orange, and red. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know. I feel the same way. Scare the hell out of your kid. You know, hey, welcome to the world. I want you to freak out a lot. I just want you to feel comfortable, understand that the future of the world is kind of messed up. And since you just came into the world, you might as well know it at age three hours. But, um, uh, but, but in all sincerity, back in the 70s, when the Title IX program was being written and implemented, and it really had to do originally um, with the sports activities in schools and the programs available for activities in schools that a lot of, you know, girls couldn't take, you know, courses that, you know, the boys had and couldn't be in sports that the boys had, whether it's a soccer game or it's football or it's basketball. And, you know, today we take for granted girls basketball and girls soccer and we have, you know, uh, Actually, in some teams, crossover where boys and girls or men and women are playing together. But in general, that just didn't happen. Did you ever see that back when you were a kid, Bruce? Say anything today, Bruce, because you're looking at me like you're about to pass out. Well, no. Okay, I... Bruce, that's enough conversation from you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't necessarily agree that. Oh uh, God. The uh, the whole thing is a predetermined thing created by moms and dads. I, I think that uh, to an extent that there are definitely uh, a certain amount of girls are girls and boys are boys. While I think that... Um, sexist. He's a sexist. No, I'm not Be sexist. I think my, my daughter sexist. is five years old. She, has, she came out of the womb wanting to be 
a princess. And uh, she's done the princess thing. And we didn't go out and buy her a bunch of princess stuff. Matter of fact, I, you know, we kind of encouraged her to be a tomboy. And she didn't, she just didn't want to do that. I wonder if the word tomboy is a sexist statement. Hmm. A girl that wants to do masculine things is a tomboy. What is that? What do they call a boy that wants to do feminist oriented things? I don't know. I don't even know if I want to go there on the show right now. <laughs> to think of it, I think we're getting down to a really bad part of the show right now. We don't want to do that. Because, it, anyway, look, um, but it, in all sincerity, the, the Title IX program was very important. It opened up a lot of doors for a lot of people and gave people an opportunity to become more. It's sort of like that statement that the New York uh, St- State University of New York had, which was, let each become all they're capable of being. I agree with that. And they chose that as their motto. And, I think that's a great and, motto. And uh, who was that? That was uh, Rockefeller, Governor Rockefeller who uh, p- patterned the program after the state university system of California. And I always like that statement, let each become all they're capable of being, which I, is really a nice thing. Don't you think, Wanda? I think so. Absolutely. And, and you should become, you should have, what, the neat thing about this country and how great this country is and why I love this country and why millions of people want to come to this country, because I really don't see millions of people running over to Russia and other countries around the world, not even Mexico, and say, God, I really wish I could live there, because boy, do they have it good. They do that here, because in this country, you have the opportunity to be all you're capable of being. Academically, that's the way it's supposed to be. So this whole Title IX thing, for me... Uh, it was good. I liked it. I believed in it. I spoke about it. I worked with Rita Bornstein at University of Miami in those days and uh, got personally attacked by a lot of people who were challenging my sexuality, wondering, oh, how could you be doing that? There must be something wrong with you. And I said, no. I just understand that people have the right to be in life, and we don't have to track them. So, um, And I've been that way with my dogs as well. I uh, with Pacino and uh, and Julie, you know, I let them be all they want to be. I agree with you completely. And what about your dog? He is all he wants to be. He is <laughs> all he wants to be. All over the couch, he does whatever he wants. That's right, and that's that's the way it's going to be. Uh, our good friend Elena Carpenter walked into the studio, and we're going to have her on in just a bit. But uh, say hello, Elena. Hello, Elena. All right, there it is. There's uh, the comment. We're going to talk. We're going to have Elena talk to us a little bit about the company that she's run, and she's been in the business world. For uh, about, what, 28 years, 30 years? Just about before I was born, yes. Uh, yeah, she was doing, Elena was actually selling advertising and organizing marketing, uh, fetus-wise, I think. In the womb. In the womb. It was an, and she had a program that, talk about sexism in school, that gave the fetus the opportunity to become all it is capable of being. And uh, having said that, I think I'm going to step on for a little bit and move, move ahead. Can I add something, uh, sure Rich? You can. Uh, uh, Wait I, a minute. For, you know, we should tell Elena is the, the CEO and publisher of Miami Monthly, which is a terrific magazine, and is the, the city regional magazine for the city of Miami. Okay. Uh, you have about one minute. You want to say something really fast? Yes, I'm a tomboy, and I'm proud of it. Ah, there she has it. And she's making up a poster right now. She's putting it up in the studios. Uh, in the meantime, Wanda is surfing in the studio right now and uh, feeling very good. I have a question, go- actually. Yeah, go ahead, real quick, When Wanda. you grow up, yeah. are you a Tom man? <laughs> You're a macho man. That's what you are. You're a macho man. Capable of being macho. Sort of like a Richard Pryor thing, if you remember Richard Pryor when he was doing his routines. He had a whole routine on Macho Man, I'm able to dump the cows. Macho Man, that's what he was doing. 
Alright, well listen, <laughs> we're going to be back in just a few minutes. We have to make a few bucks and sell some advertising for you. And I hope you get out there and use the advertising. Again, this is Rich Rothman on The Rich Rothman Show, uh, 1360 WKAT. We'll be right back. Enjoy the Beach Boys. No name is more synonymous with success than Miami Dolphins owner H. Wayne Heisinger, architect of three Fortune 500 companies, including AutoNation and Blockbuster. This renowned entrepreneur has brought his unique business approach to the classroom with the Heisinger School of Business at Nova Southeastern University. With a faculty of real-world leaders and a curriculum based on Heisinger's entrepreneurial ideals, the Heisinger School of Business offers the rare opportunity to learn the ropes from someone who's climbed their way to the very top. Apply now at nova.edu business. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airport. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. The international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport savoir-faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. The Miami Science Museum has something new for everyone. Walk among the largest creatures to have ever inhabited the Earth in the Dinosaurs of China exhibit. Enjoy our spectacular planetarium and laser shows and interact with the creatures that live in the renovated Wildlife Center. Also, don't miss out on our fabulous First Fridays, our MySci FYI Science Lecture Series, and our MySci Professional Mixers. Visit the museum's website, www.miamisci.org. That's miamisci.org. For more info, MySci. It's not the science museum you remember. In today's volatile investing environment, you need a valued and trusted partner who can build and sustain your financial security. You have that partner in the investment firm of Investor Solutions. Named on Bloomberg's list of top wealth managers and by Barron's as one of the top 100 best independent financial advisors in the country, Investor Solutions specializes in wealth management along with the full range of retirement planning and fiduciary services for high net worth individuals and their families, charitable foundations and organizations, business firms, trust endowments, and other institutional entities. Call at 800-508-8500 now for a no-obligation, honest, professional assessment of your current portfolio. That's 1-800-508-8500 or go to InvestorSolutions.com for more information. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Robinson. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL, customer service is back in shipping. Live from Atlantic Radio Network in Coral Gables, Florida. So crazy someplace else. We're all stocked up here. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. Twisting. We're actually twisting here. Wanda's twisting. We did a little twist. 
uh, Bruce didn't twist. Did I you didn't, twist? I don't. But you moved your elbows. Yes. It was kind of like a chicken thing. I kind of like that. That's a Midwest thing. I like that. That's good. We can get away with that. So let me move on with some of our wonderful stuff. We have a phone call from Regina about Title IX, and uh, she has a comment to make. Regina, are you there? I am. Well, tell us what your comment is. Well, as far as um, I, I agree with there should be uh, girls should, uh, females should have the same opportunities to play sports, I have a big problem with the co-ed sports. Big problem. Okay. You want to talk um, about it? You just want to leave it out there? or well, um, What would you like us to do? For example, my son was a wrestler in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I raised my son. You don't hit girls. You don't touch girls inappropriately. However, there were girls that were wrestling. And in every instance, when a boy was up against wrestling a girl, there was a huge psychological event that happened with the boys. I saw it happen on multiple occasions. I don't want to wrestle the girl. I don't feel comfortable wrestling the girl. And consequently, it wasn't a fair wrestle off. Well, I, I tend to agree with that. First of all, I really don't think the, 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 the initial initiative of Title IX was to have boys and girls wrestle each other, boys and girls play football with each other. Generally speaking, that wasn't where they were going. That wasn't the point of it. Okay. The point was the program should be made available. So uh, uh, men and women, girls and boys, can uh, work towards sports and, and do things and share. And, you know, why shouldn't, why shouldn't a girl have the ability have the ability to go out and play basketball? I, I agree you know? that they should. But should they have the ability to go wrestle, you know, a 250-pound sumo guy? No. That's absurd. But they do it. Well, you know what? Well, shame on the school that allows it because that, that, that's a perversion of what it should have been. I don't think that makes sense. I don't think you're proving anything. It does set up ridiculous behaviorisms for the boys and girls. It's not fair. And you know what? It's stupid. I agree. And this person belongs on I-95. The person who originally, not you, Regina, but the person (laughs) who said to you, hey, they're doing this. I think they should have boys and girls wrestling each other. That's absurd. We don't want to see that. Well, thanks for calling us. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Okay, take care. Bye. Bye. We're back. This is Rich Roffin on The Rich Roffin Show, uh, 1360 WKAT. Our number, evidently Regina knows it, is 305-447-3201. And if you have any questions to ask us and you'd like to get involved with the conversation, let us know. Hey, I have a question for you, Bruce. And maybe Elena knows this. Maybe Wanda knows it. And we certainly don't think the Beach Boys know it. Okay. St. Patrick's Day. How old do you think that is? Anyone have an idea? St. Patrick's Day? Anybody? Ten seconds. No? Old. Old, old, old. Do you have any idea about St. Patrick's Day? Not at all. Oh, my God. Well, let me just give you a little bit of history here, okay? Because this is, this is really fun. First of all, St. Patrick's Day is found in the military. And you would, one would think it would be in, in, in Ireland, wouldn't you? Yes. Just say yes. Totally. To- wow. Okay. There's a massive <laughs> acceptance. Wanda's clapping. And the B-Boys is still staying out of it. But the point is that it was really related to the military because a good part of the military in the 1700s for the U, well, was to become the United States, were Irish. They were Irish, and uh, they were able to wear green here. Green, originally, wearing green was a sign of Irish pride, but ironically was banned in Ireland. And so when they wore it over there, they were killed. And if you understand the hate between the Irish you know, the Protestants and the Catholics, the way it was for so many generations and decades and eons, that uh, you wore green, you're in trouble. You're going to get taken out. So they couldn't More do that. More than just pinching. 
No, no, no. It was not pinching, and nobody said, you know, you know, suck a leopard. No, not going to happen. It was bad news. It was very, very dangerous. So, but each year, approximately two million spectators line Fifth Avenue to watch about two hundred thousand marchers. Now, I know when I was a kid. Hey, Wanda, you'll probably want to know because you weren't alive. Uh, when I was a kid in New York City, the St. Patrick's Day Parade is the biggest parade in the city. It's bigger than Columbus Day, which is a big one because a lot of the guys get out there in tights and rediscover America. It's really nice. But, but St. Patrick's Day is really the most unusual thing. And it was the time that they had bagpipe play, uh, bag players, can high I, school bands. Can I make bands. fun of your inability You can to totally make fun of me. Just, just humiliate the heck out of me. It's fine. Just, I'm used to that. I just wanted to make sure that we stopped you. Bagpipe players. <laughs> Big pipe pliers. It is one. Yes. Yes, yes. Who said that? I like that. That was Alina said that. It was, it's one of the world's oldest civilian parades and the largest in the U.S. The event's televised for four hours and in 2008 will be web-streamed for the first time. So it's going to reach a gazillion people all over the United States, all over the world. It's going to be very exciting. But St. Patrick's Day, which I think was on Fifth Avenue, uh, and the police, you know, the Irish, oh, the Irish police, I have a drink. The, the Irish, oh, Irish, Sean, can you not have it? I can't stand it. Uh, you're never going to take my freedom. I know. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Who let Aunt Sophie in here? What happened to Aunt Sophie? Anyway, the point is, a, a going back to 17... I know this is important because Wanda's getting a Coke. In 1762, the Irish members of the British Army stationed in um, the American colonies in New York City marched down Lower Broadway in the first well-known St. Patrick's Day Parade. But the one that we know in New York City being the biggie, where it was you know, not surreptitious and it was out there and everyone knew about it, goes back to 1848, and it's been on every year since 1848. How do you like that, Bruce? I like that. And so everybody should get out there and um, find a leprechaun, find the, uh, the clover, you know, four-leaf clovers, and, uh, and uh, we should all go to John Thornton's and, and have a couple of green beers. You know, in Chicago, where my son goes, didn't you have relatives in Chicago? Did you have that, Elena? Just mafiosos, that's all. Ah, good. Yeah. Well, they, they, into beer. It was just but important. I, I want you to get to the part. You, you're so educated about, about St. Patty's and, yeah. and, and the history. Yes. I want you to get to the, to the historical uh, preeminence of green beer. And, and what deep significance that has. I don't, you know, I don't know that. I, did, do you know that? Is this a setup? <laughs> no. Welcome to, we're going to be right back, but first a word from I-95. We don't know, but if any, listen, if anybody knows, 305-447-3201, we want to know if you know the significance of green beer. Why is it green? Well, because it's St. Patrick's Day, for bloody sake. Why else would they do it? Wanda, what do you know? Peggy, oh my God. Oh, Peggy's Peggy. back. Peggy oh from the Moose God, is back. Peggy, Peggy happens to be a bartenderess at the Moose Lodge in Boca. I thought it was hey, Delray. Hey, Peggy, how are Peggy. you? We're fine. We're getting ready to uh, fill our tanks with green beer and get ready for the St. Patrick's Day. We're glad that you spoke about it. God, we missed you. We thought you got picked up for DUI last week. No. Oh, okay, no, good, because we got all. worried you didn't call in or anything. So listen, uh, Peggy, uh, do you have? Yeah. is there anybody there... We all know there are some, uh, you know, test pilots for Johnny Walker up there. Is anybody at the bar able to tell us the significance of green beer? Anybody know the significance of green beer? Ask an elk or a moose. They're, they're all the same. No, they, they, they don't know the reason. They just drink beer. They just drink beer. Well, I, I, I don't know why they do green beer, other than the fact that it's to celebrate uh, 
beer in St. Patrick's Day. Why don't you have green peanuts and you don't have green taco chips? Well, but taco chips. How many Irish are going to be eating taco chips? The thought of a green taco chip. I'll tell you something else. That's Peggy, are you still there? I'm still here. We're going to be we're going to be eating corned beef and cabbage. Well, mm. I was just going to ask you that. Do you realize that in Ireland they don't serve corned beef and cabbage? No, they're too poor. That's right. They potatoes. don't have corned beef and cabbage. They have they had potatoes and they had other things to eat, but corned beef and cabbage is really a North American product yeah, or we're, Eastern we're, European. But it is not it is not an Irish. The Irish don't eat. Uh, it's not their staple uh, staple food over there. Well, my last name is O'Leary. That tells you where we're from. Oh, O'Leary. Yeah. And so are, are you, are you uh, related at all to the, uh, well, are you a, you're not a cow, but are you related to the person who had the cow in Chicago? Uh, actually, somewhere down the, fa- the end of the line of my husband's family, there was a, an O'Leary from Chicago. Maybe it was a cow. Oh, my God. Well, you, you never know. Well, yeah. Well, all right. Well, listen, if you hear any news about the uh, green beer, I know a lot of people are sucking down the suds right now at the Moose Lodge, which is uh, rough. Uh, let us know if anyone, if they get up and they become lucid enough, they can call us back and tell us about the green beer. Peggy, well, we're you, really glad you're on the show. Anything else important to say? Yeah, come on, join us for St. Patrick's Day and wear your green and uh, top of the morning for all you guys. All right. Well, thank you very much. Goodbye, right. Peggy. Good day. Bye. We'll see you. Good day, good day, good day. Nice talking to you. Um, we're going to have, coming up at the bottom of the hour at 4.30, we have author Jennifer Volapi. Now, many of you will remember Jennifer Volapi for being on local television, and uh, she's done extremely well, and uh, she's very much devoted towards uh, women and uh, causes for women and children and g- girls and boys and and uh, as we relate to sexism in schools and uh, and basically women trying to achieve and what is perceived as a masculine world. Jennifer has a lot to say about it. We're going to get her on here in just a little bit, about eight, nine minutes from now. And uh, she's going to be here as a result of the uh, the uh, program, the literary fest or feast, uh, feast at uh, Nova Southeastern University. This tomorrow, live, which happens to be open and free to the public, by the way, this is just great. All the authors, uh, there'll be 20 authors, including um, uh, Captain McLaren, who was here yesterday, who was terrific. Uh, good friend of Clive Cussler, so go say hello to him. Tell him you heard it on the Rich Rothman Show. Uh, we'll be at Nova Southeastern University at the Alvin Sherman Library Research and Information Technology Center right in downtown beautiful Davie. And uh, that's going to be from 10 o'clock till 2 p.m. And uh, Captain McLaren will be sitting on a panel that runs from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. I know I'm going to be there because I want to make sure he is taking me on the submarine because he said... Come along, and I want to go. I think it would be fun. I have have this death wish thing. It would be a lot of fun. Author Lucinda Franks, My Father's Secret War, a memoir, has replaced Gigi Enders on the list. And for anybody who wants any information on this, could call 954-357-5954. This is sort of like my community service thing for the day. Let me give you that number again. It's 954-357-5954. Get an opportunity to get up there. i got to tell you, I would do it. These authors are going to be there. Jennifer is going to be there. I know many of us watch Jennifer on television. She's been a lot of successful shows. It'll be a lot of fun for all of you. Bruce, I have a question for you. And, um, uh-oh. Uh-oh. And, and this is here we start getting into some of our conversations that, you know, we, we talk about. And this is where we get into trouble. But uh, I have to talk. I have to say something. And I know I'm going to be attacked for this immediately. And it's going to be the Obama-Clinton scenario. And, uh, you know, we were, 
we were listening to the Geraldine Ferrara <sighs> conversation, and of course, everyone labeled her a crazy old lady, and everyone ran for the hills the minute she made a comment. And Obama, uh, you know, just said this is an absurdity. And Clinton, of course, said, you know, I, I reject everything she says. But let me let me just put something out there. And I want you to understand no one. I'm telling you point blank. If you want to call me at three zero five four four seven three two zero one and tell me to go uh, up against the wall, that's fine. I'll defend myself. But I'm going to say this and say it clear. There is no way in this election that you can look at the candidates that are running and not say that race has something to do with it and gender has something to do with it. You have to have your head in the sand if you're going to say, oh, race has nothing to do with it. My God, listen, folks, the truth of the matter is this is the first black person to get this far who has a shot at being the president. If you look at this person, you know he is black. If you look at Clinton and you say, you know what, this is the first female that's gone this far that has a shot at being nominated for the presidency, and you say, but I can't talk about the fact that she's a female, are you nuts? Are you stupid? Because if you don't look at it as a serious conversation, it doesn't make you a sexist and it doesn't make you a racist. It makes you a person who's saying, oh, my God, this is different. Look what's happening in America. We're changing. We have a black man who is running for president and he has a really good shot at it. And I think it's very fair for somebody to say, I have to ask the question, am I, am I, are my values, are my morals, is my neighborhood, is my city, is my state, is my country ready for this? It's not saying that you're a racist. You're just raising the question, just like we did with Jack Kennedy. Am I liberal enough to say I am going to let a Roman Catholic be a president? Because after all, we all know in a stereotypical view back in the 60s, because I remember that election clearly, everyone said, do you know who's going to run this country? The Vatican's going to run this country. The Pope's going to run this country because he's Roman Catholic. And my God, it's dangerous. Well. He got to be the president, and we voted for him, and he got into office. Unfortunately, he was assassinated, but he got into office. But the point of the matter is, how could you talk about this election and say race isn't part of it? It doesn't make you a racist. What makes you a racist is the preacher that he listens to, his, his minister, who makes all these horrible anti-American statements. That makes me very upset. But... I am not a racist as it relates to Obama. Here is a man, I think he's brilliant. I think he's a terrific speaker. I think he just rivets the audience when he gets together. I think he has the greatest opportunity that black people had to have the highest office and the most powerful office in the world. But I think having gone out of at least elementary school, I can look at this person and I can say, you know what, this is a black man. And you know what? I'm going to embrace it, or I'm not going to embrace it, but as an adult about to vote for the most powerful office in the world, I have to at least recognize the fact of who this person is. And then I have to make a decision whether I want to vote for him or not vote for him. Now, does this make me a racist? No, it doesn't make me a racist. It just makes me observant, and that's all I'm being. I'm observant. But I know someone's going to call me a racist because I'm questioning Obama. And we all know it's an abomination. We can't get out and say anything about this guy. That's racist. When someone starts saying something about 
the, you know, the possibility this person has, whether it's a fantasy or it's true or it's this or what the record. Oh, you can't do that. You're being racist. That's being racist. Hey, Rich. Yeah. Do you have that quote that Ferraro made? Yeah. Could you just read it? I am now going to read Obama in a masculine voice. Uh, it is, if Obama was a white man, he would not be in this position. And if he was a woman of any color, he would not be in this position. He happens to be very lucky to be who he is. And the country is caught up in the context, concept, period, end, end quote. All right. that, does, that does not have a lot of relationship to what you just said. Isn't that implying that he's only where he's at because he's black? Because I think what you were addressing before is the fact that we are crippled with political correctness. And so people don't feel comfortable talking about it. And well, that's hypocritical, too. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, what I'm saying is that, thank you, what I'm, what I'm saying is that, yes, what, exactly what you just said. I'm saying that I need to be able to look at the candidates, man, woman, black, non-black, and say, I will recognize them for what they are. I think what Geraldine was saying, I don't think she's a crazy hoot of an old lady that they try to make her out, and I don't think you had to run for the hills for what she said. I think what she's saying is not that off the wall, because we are caught up. There is an emotionality that's out there right now that almost transcends just logic with many, many people. That's what happens in campaigns. If you look at the old campaigns when we were kids in the 50s and the 60s, which were the, probably the most corrupt corrupt campaigns and then the conventions were incredibly corrupt with deal making like you couldn't believe there was an emotionality and people got caught up and that's why they were screaming and yelling and doing all their stuff and we're going to vote for this person you know Tippecanoe and Tyler too all these historical statements that got people motivated what she's saying I think is that we are caught up in the emotionality of the moment the concept that this man could be capturing the Democratic uh, Party's nomination to be the president. But what she's also saying is that if maybe if this person wasn't black, maybe if this person wasn't black and it was equal, equal to their background and their abilities in Congress or not abilities in Congress or bills passed or not passed, maybe that person wouldn't have gone that far. Maybe this person is going to go that far, and we're going more on the opportunity for hope and change and the, the, the perception that this person's going to be great as opposed to the reality of who the person is. I think that she's talking about this emotionality, that we move beyond it right now. But I don't think what she said is so – It's not. I don't see it as racist. I just see it no. as, as pointing out where we're at right now. And I don't think everyone had to run for the hills. It is, I think it's a, a, an extreme overreaction. But I expect that right now because no matter what comes out, whatever comes out, it's an attack on him or it's an attack on the lady, on Hillary. That's the way it is right now. And then everyone says, oh, you can't have personal attacks in politics. What, are you kidding me? Politics is dirty. Politics is not fair. Politics is emotional. Politics is everything that's under the table. Because, by God, go watch the movie The Best Man. Go watch The Candidate. Wheel and deal. Give the union anything they want because you need their votes. Give these people anything they want because we need their votes. 
You know, and then you watch these people say they're more Hispanic than the Hispanics. Clinton goes into a, you know, into a southern black town, and then, I'm in no way, you know, whatever she said that was very black or What are you kidding me? All of a sudden, she's using black dialectisms and colloquialisms so she can relate to it. The whole thing is perverse. So don't tell me this is more perverse than any of that. What's perverse is that all of a sudden, you know, Obama goes into the mainstream America, and he's eloquent. He's wonderful. I'm listening to him. He's probably the best speaker I've heard in years. He is a better speaker than Hillary. He rivets the crowd. I'm impressed with his, his oration. Why not? He only went to the top three schools in the country. He's only brilliant. He's very well educated. Although his wife did say, you know, I'm not proud of America. This is a family who went to the top three schools, both of them, both coming from a minority in a country that's so hateful. I think they better think about that. That bothers me a heck of a lot more than what, than what you know, uh, Geraldine Farrar said. But at the same time, it's an abomination when Hillary goes out of her way and Emma says, well, I'm more Hispanic. Well, I want a bigger fence. Well, I don't want a fence. You will say, they will say, they will all do, they will capture, they will throw away, they will look, you know, I want to rack. no, I want to rack faster than you. No, I want to rack faster than you. I mean, it's, it's, you listen to these people and it's an absolute joke. How anybody with a modicum of education can look at this and say, this whole thing is absurd. The whole thing is absurd. I'm very sorry. That's how I feel about the election. But that's what elections are all about. That's what elections are all about. So what I'm saying is that, hey, he is black. You know what? Instead of saying I'm not black, I don't want to talk about it, just say, yeah, I am. You know what? I'm, I'm a, Let's a, talk a about terrific it. guy. Get it out in the open. Get the female thing out in the open. Get the black thing out in the open. And guess what? You disarm it because it's just words. Don't be afraid of words. They're not going to hurt you. They're words. And if you break ourselves down from that, if we get ourselves past that, the sound barrier of a word, you know what? It means nothing. Right. And that's, I agree. that's how you get rid of racism. That was very eloquent. You like Rich? that? Yeah, I like I think that's true. I like Santana. I like Santana. I like Santana. Wanda, good choice. Listen, this is Rich Rothman. I need to get a drink. But we're going to be right back. Of water, by the of way. Of what? <laughs> water. I don't want the folks at KAT getting out there and trying to take me to Vespers tonight. <laughs> but um, we're going to be right back in just a few minutes. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. I'm going to be right back, and you better not leave. Got a black magic woman. Got a black magic woman. I've got a black magic woman. Got me so blind I can't see. That she's a black magic woman. She's trying to make the devil out of me. Don't turn your back on me, baby. Great news for all of my attorney, CPA, doctor, and dentist listeners. Keep your new year on a roll with the best, easiest, and fastest financial assistance you could ever wish to have with the new Total Pro financial packages from Total Bank, specially designed for attorneys, CPAs, and doctors. You can borrow up to $300,000, including things like lines of credit, term loans, and vehicle loans at great rates and terms, whether you have an established practice or, hey, you're just starting out. With Total Bank, it's minimum paperwork and 24-hour approval. Just call Israel Cruz, 305-476-6370. Get a hold of Israel Cruz at 305-476-6370. And remember, easy lending with Total Pro 
from Total Bank. Don't miss out, and you know what? You should apply today. Total Bank, member FDIC. The Miami Science Museum has something new for everyone. Walk among the largest creatures to have ever inhabited the Earth in the Dinosaurs of China exhibit. Enjoy our spectacular planetarium and laser shows and interact with the creatures that live in the renovated Wildlife Center. Also, don't miss out on our fabulous First Fridays, our MySci FYI Science Lecture Series, and our MySci Professional Mixers. Visit the museum's website, www.miamisci.org. That's miamisci.org. For more info, MySci. It's not the science museum you remember. Being a writer, I can't imagine what it would be like not to be able to read. This is Dave Barry to talk to you about RFBND Learning Through Listening. RFBND Learning Through Listening serves more than 1,700 schools in 49 counties throughout Florida. From kindergarten through graduate school, RFBND Learning Through Listening provides audio educational materials to anyone with a reading disability. A wonderful tool provided by a wonderful organization and one that needs your support. To learn more, call 1-800-535-0552, assisting tens of thousands of students in the state of Florida. RFBND Learning Through Listening. Listen. Listen to the sounds of a live Marlins baseball game and remember the excitement, the sights, the experience. Ground ball, might be two, Hanley got one, Ugly to Jacobs, got two, a double play. Peanuts, get your peanuts in. Got him, outside corner, another strikeout for Sergio Peanuts, get your peanuts in. Going back to the wall, gone, another home run for Hanley Ramirez. for opening day with your Florida Marlins March 31st. Come watch the Marlins Battle Division rivals the New York Mets in the first series of the season. Ticket plans are on sale now. Call 1-877-MARLINS or go to floridamarlins.com and lock in your seats today. That was fun. Can we go again? Opening day March 31st with your Florida Marlins. You've got to be here. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call TNJ Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. Your news. Your entertainment. Your business. The following program is intended for mature audiences. Oh, righty then. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. Okay, we are back, and I'm glad you're here and staying with us today. Uh, time now is about uh, 4.40. This is Rich Rothman on the Rich Rothman Show. Friday afternoon, you're traveling on I-95 US-1, or you're going from uh, Fort Lauderdale uh, up I-95 to the Boca area. Good luck. God bless. I wish you well. Uh, it would have been easier to fly. I just want you to know that. <laughs> well, I don't know. You'd have to go through security, and that's a whole TSA question, and that's going to be coming up. You know, in the next few weeks, Bruce, we're going to be having the uh, the head, the regional head for TSA for the entire South 
Southeast region. You're kidding. I didn't know that. No, we're going to do that because That's Lauren Stover said she's going to get her on the show for us. And everybody has a TSA story. I know you have oh, TSA man. stories. I have almost been arrested at the airport because of the TSA. Well, yeah, but you have a temper. You, you should. Be well, arrested. I lost it in Philadelphia. Um, How about L.A.? Um, well... <laughs> okay, well, so much for that. Uh, our number is 305-447-3201. Should you want to criticize me, harass me, or otherwise tell me that I have a problem with my brain, which is totally fine because my first wife did the same thing all the time, so we don't have a problem with that. Um, right now, we're going to uh, introduce – do we have Jennifer on the line? We're going to I'm introduce – Jennifer. I'm here. How are you? Hi, Rich. I'm hey. Thank you. How are you? Terrific. We have Jennifer Valapi on the phone. Listen, Jennifer is going to be appearing along with uh, 19 other authors, well-known, national-level, terrific authors, at the event at Nova Southeastern University. Jennifer Valapi, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. No, we're Pleasure. excited to have you here, and we all know Jennifer Valapi. But, you know, let me just let me just give a couple of – for those of you who want to catch up on Jennifer – her, her background, we all know the local background, but her stuff is just terrific. First of all, she's obviously a multi-Emmy Award-winning journalist. We know that. She's been recognized four times on the floor of the United States Congress and is a 2006 recipient of Governor Jeb Bush's Points of Light Award, which, by the way, is the highest honor in the state of Florida. Uh, Jennifer's first novel, Certain Cure... Uh, which is a medical religious thriller. Now, there's a conversation for this day and age. <laughs> medical, I know you have a problem. I've gone to medical school, but I am praying for you, my son. And don't worry, you'll, you'll be fine. We think it's good with you. And just uh, take this home with you and think good thoughts. Quickly became the number one best-selling techno thriller on Amazon. She was challenging Michael Crichton, and I want you to be aware of that. But um, she was also, as we all know, and watch uh, Jennifer, and she's gorgeous, a veteran news anchor in Miami, New York, Los Angeles. She's covered every major news event for the past 25 years. Significant for us is that Jennifer is the founder and president of the Women of Tomorrow Mentor and Scholarship Program. And that's been recognized in major universities throughout the United States, and in particularly the, uh, the uh, Harvard Business School uh, for the Community Partners Program. Jennifer, it's a pleasure to have you here. Boy, you make me sound very impressive. Doesn't that Thank sound you, good? I mean, I'm no. a fan of yours, too. No, 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 really, my Aunt Sophie wanted to know all about you, and that's basically why I did it. She's, she's up in Boca, and she's going to be buying all your books and coming to see you. Hey, listen, uh, I have a question for you. Um, you know, one of the things we wanted to touch on today a bit is women in business, and I know that's something you're very passionate about. And as I indicated in my uh, pracy to the show this, this afternoon, that uh, I got involved in uh, sexism in schools back in the 70s when the Title IX program, I don't know if you remember Rita Bornstein from University of Miami, a long time ago. Right, I remember the, I remember the program. Yeah, and so we went out into the school systems. We tried to explain to people that there are, there are ways that you can encourage children, not just boys and girls, but children, to take part in programs and allow the schools at the same time to have the children take part in the programs so they're not tracked so much because it is difficult. Tracking starts, from my perspective, at a very young age, and we tend to stay that way very, very often. It's not easy for a female to break out of this track, to cut through that glass barrier. And you've been very, very successful in the media business. Maybe you'd like to touch on that just a little bit, and then we can talk a little bit about what you've been doing since. Well, you know what? I was over at Wynn Rogers High School today talking to them about, about writing and about the literary feast and, and, and also about my Women of Tomorrow Mentor and Scholarship Program because we mentor in every school in Broward and Dade and many of the schools in Palm Beach County as well. 
And I started that program also coming out of the, the late 70s. Um, I think it was 1979 or 1980 when I graduated from college. And the uh, research in those days used to show that the real problem with equality between men and women had nothing to do with the fact that men felt that women were inferior or had little to do with that. The real problem was that women agreed. And what was worse than that was that women who were successful and made it to the top didn't want to do anything to help other young women along. So... I had always had in the back of my mind, because I, I, you know, was always very offended by that, I had always had in the back of my mind that I wanted to mentor young people, both men and women, and help them and give them that hand up and and let them learn from the benefit of of our experience. And when I had the opportunity about 11 years ago, when I was with NBC6 down here, uh, the general manager and, and president at the time, who now runs Telemundo, Don Brown and I got together and I said, look, Don, I'd really like to create this program about women helping women, where we can get um, professional, very accomplished professional women to go out into the public schools and help give these girls the benefit of our experience and really teach them what it takes uh, to move up in the world and to not get categorized. And when I was talking to the kids out at Wynn Rogers today, I was talking to, you know, uh, young men and the young women, and we were mostly talking about my book, Certain Cure. But the idea of not getting categorized into these places that people want to put you, the idea of saying, you know, that you're always going to have people that are telling you no in your life. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're not worthy. You're not, you know, whatever. It only takes one person to tell you, yes, you can. And so you got to just keep plugging away whatever it is to not be categorized, to not believe the categories, and to, to move on. And I'm sorry I'm giving you a 20-minute answer to a very simple question. So, so that was good because a lot of people are getting some college credit on this right now, Jennifer. So I, I, I heard they're getting two. Hey, do you have your TV on or something in the background? No, you know what? I, I should have explained to you where I am. I'm in the, uh, the cocktail reception for all of the authors as they're just starting to get here and, and get organized. And then we're going to go off to our big event tonight at the uh, at the Broward Public Library. Tonight is the big night of the literary feast. There's a cocktail reception there. And then we all go off to these private dinners that raise money for the library. So um, all of the authors are sort of gathering around here now having a glass of wine, and, and that's what you're hearing in the background. But I wanted to be able to call you in live. So No, that's, that's terrific. We're glad you can. Let me ask you a question. Uh, you, you consulted on one of my favorite uh, films, which was Up Close and Personal. Okay, yeah. And, and and that was shot in, well, I guess some of it was shot was right here in Miami. Yeah, I actually have a little spot in there. You you won't recognize me, but I'm in there for a No, you have to tell me. I have that at home. <laughs> tell, where are you located in the film? So we want everyone to go look for you. Uh, I'm in one of the beach scenes when uh, I'm standing next to Michelle Pfeiffer, and they cut to a tight shot, and it's sort of a mob of reporters, and they're all going in, and nobody recognizes me because my hair was curly. Because we started shooting that at like 7 o'clock in the morning, and by the time they took the take, it was 7 o'clock at night, and I had been on the beach all day, and my hair curled up. Welcome to South Florida, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the way that goes. Um, in that film, did you, did you was part of that film a discussion from Michelle's point of view, Michelle Pfeiffer's point of view of, of a female, and uh, she came out from she came in from Las Vegas, as a matter of fact, but she was trying to break into you know mainstream media and and big time uh, news, and uh, was that hard for her? Uh, was part of that story wasn't that a little bit of a discussion of how how to a degree some of the sexism that that women face getting into the news arena. Sure, yeah, and it was a love story, you know, her mentor in the industry, Robert and and, uh, and all of that, and, and it was a it was a really fun film. But yeah, 
and and that goes on, but that goes on that goes on in every business, you know. I mean, you know, you're in all the businesses you've been in, and and that's quite a few, right? You you've yeah. seen it, you know. You see it in in everything. I think it's it's getting less and less, but it, it, you know, there's still a, a great deal of sexism that exists. Well, all right, and and I know you're you're going to run off, and you and that drink's important, and it is for us. Have one for us. Listen, tell us about your book. Well, the book is called Certain Cure. You can check it out on CertainCure.com. It's available on BarnesandNoble.com, and it's not necessarily available in a lot of bookstores, but if you go in, anybody can order it for you. I'm just getting that, that whole thing set up. But it's a medical religious thriller, and it's kind of, uh, it's a lot of end days prophecies. It's, it's where um, nanotechnology and quantum physics meets ancient Judeo-Christian prophecies. <laughs> Got that? <laughs> wow, okay. So, I know that sounds weird, but it's actually a very easy read. Everybody reads it in like a couple of days, in a day or two. I mean, I've had people come up to me and say, oh, my God, I finished it in a day. It's actually a very simple read, but it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a thriller. There's, you know, the typical murder and stuff like that. There's three generations of a family, um, a woman who's dying of cancer, and um, this mysterious doctor from China who comes to, to cure her. And her daughter happens to be a television talk show host. Surprised. I had to get somebody in TV in there. Right. And, and then the grandson, who is a 14-year-old boy, they're all living in Manhattan. And he's sort of the, um, uh, he's very close to his grandmother, and he's sort of the one that sees the big picture. Everybody else becomes very involved in uh, all these things that appear to be so wonderful, and the kid is the only one that sees the bigger picture of everything. And, and one of the central questions of the book is, if man is on an eternal quest for immortality, when he finds it, does the search for God become irrelevant? So it's a lot of sort of examining some of the ancient Judeo-Christian prophecies and what they mean to us in a, in a modern world. You know, it sounds like a lot of my Jewish relatives would like to make donations to what this this novel is. I'm going to get some money. I can do this. She's a nice kid. I can make this happen. It's a good story. It's just, it's, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and I took some of the really scary stuff from uh, Revelations and from Daniel and Isaiah and stuff like that, and I took some of the really scary Revelations and, and tried, to come up with a, tried to come up with a way of how could those prophecies actually occur in today's modern world without anybody ever noticing. Not in a big way, in, in little ways, in little ways without anybody even noticing it, and that's kind of what it's about. So, and this is, my first, this is my first experience with the book fair. The book just came out. This is my first experience. There's all these great authors that are out here for Literary Feast, and we're all going to be out at Nova um, tomorrow starting at 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to go on until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And, you know, I'm, I'm sort of learning on the fly here with all these all these. Uh, great authors we have. We have Tasha Alexander and Amy Cohen and Lauren Groff and uh, Kevin Sessons and Anne Ligori. I mean, there's, you know, there's everything from golf to Victorian thrillers to, uh, I, I mean, there's just all kinds of great, great, terrific things here. So we've got What time will you be there so people can say hello to you and get a book signed? I'm going to be there between 1 and 2 o'clock is my panel, and then we uh, sign the books afterwards, and we'd love to have everybody come out and say hi, and, and um, it's just Chris Rice is out here. I mean, there's so many great, great authors. It's Chris Stephen Hunt. I mean, it's, it's just terrific. There's, and the, the kinds of, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of literature you're interested in. It doesn't matter what kind of book you like to read. You can pretty much come out and find anything um, 
you know, we were sitting around this afternoon and, and talking to Alfred McLaren, and he's got this whole, he's this phenomenal adventurer, and he's got this whole book on, on uh, uh, being in the Navy. and, and uh, He was on the show yesterday, work. Jennifer. He was on the oh, show. Yeah? The guy oh, is, okay. he is terrific. He is invited he me on his submarine. Oh, did, oh, did he really be at the submarine that looks like an airplane? Yes. It looks like an airplane. <laughs> I'm going to do this. It's outrageous. He's actually standing right over here. He's having a glass of wine, and I'll tell you, you got a lot. You got a lot of. Um, you're braver than I am because I looked at this thing. And I'm like, oh God! How far under the water are you going in that? We're gonna tell you. I can't help it. I gotta do it. I have. I want to go down. I love. I love all sorts of stories that relate to undersea. And I was telling him one of my heroes is Clive Cussler, and that's that's one of his buddies, of course. So, uh, no, it's great. Uh, we're very excited for you to be here. Jennifer Vallopi will be on the campus of Nova Southeastern University tomorrow. You said between 1 and 2 for your panel? Uh, my panel is between 1 and 2, and the event goes on from, like, 10 to 2 o'clock uh, in the afternoon. So it pretty much ends right after that. Well, listen, so. we know that you're very busy, and I want you to know how much we appreciate the fact that you came on the show. And uh, doors always open. Anytime you're in town, you want to come and say hello to us, we appreciate it. Jennifer, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, Rich, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I am a big fan of yours. You've done some amazing things in this community. And, and you know, we're all really proud of you. So, well, God, you know. that's so sweet of you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Take care. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. That was Jennifer Vallopi. And, and, and again, uh, uh, let me just give you some of the uh, the people. I mean, they're, they're oh, my God, uh, uh, Gigi Aldis, James Brady, Terry Shaney, Amy Cohen, Lauren uh, Grofe, James Hall, Brendan Halpin, uh, John Hart, Cecil Hayes, uh, Steve Hunter, Anne Liguri, uh, Alfred McLaren, who was here yesterday, Chris Rice, James Skurlock, Kevin Seasoms, Jennifer, of course, will be there. Tremendous opportunity. But on the line right now, we have Tony. Hey, how's it going? Tony, my man, we missed you yesterday. I know I missed you guys, too, but it was a crazy, crazy day at the museum. There's a lot that we're gearing up for. Well, tell us about it. you got a few minutes to tell us. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we are gearing up for our big dino extravaganza, which eggs, and I, I stress the eggs, E-G-G, which will take place over Easter weekend, March 22nd and 23rd. We're doing um, a series of dino-centered Easter events. We're going to have a dino-sized egg hunt. We're going to have a series of contests. Radio Disney will be there lending their talent support with a series of uh, shows and contests for the kiddies. So any parents out there that are interested in coming out and doing something educational and fun for Easter, come on down to the Miami Science Museum for our dino extravaganza. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. You, uh, what are the, give us the times for that so people know when it's going to be there. It's actually going to be going on the entire weekend, Saturday and Sunday, March 22nd and 23rd, between 10 uh, in the morning and 6 p.m. And if um, anyone wants more information, they can always go to our website, www.miamisci.org. Another thing that I actually wanted to talk about, Rich, is the fact that our spring camp is about to start, and we are still we still have some spots that are available if there's any parents out there that's looking for a, a cool thing to put their kid in during spring break, we have our spring camp, which with a series of really cool science-focused activities during the week of spring break, and also our summer camp that you know really well. 
We're taking um, registration for that currently. Again, people can go onto the website or even call them directly um, at 305-646-4200 if they want more information on spring camp or on summer camp. Let's make sure they're really clear on the correct title of the museum. It's the Miami Science Museum. The Miami Science Museum. You guys can't miss that. And don't forget, Tony's right, the summer camp there, not only are the kids going to have a good time, they're going to learn a lot. They're going to have a lot of fun learning, and that's going to be exciting for them. It's a different type of an environment. So uh, if you get the opportunity, let me ask you a question. How long does camp run for the day for the children? It's, um, it starts as early as 7.30 in the morning. And it runs till about 6 p.m., so they're extended hours. And if a parent has an issue and they have to leave their child a little bit later, we can make accommodations for that as well. So it's no problem. We're very flexible in that respect. That's terrific. And they get to feed the dinosaurs, which is awfully nice. Yes. I know. Yes, That's definitely. terrific. The dinosaurs of China. Actually, we're at the point where we've had more than 100,000 visitors to see the dinosaurs of China, which is which is fantastic for us, and we've actually extended the exhibit um, till the beginning of September. Which so is basically like one block in Beijing, just for those of you who want to have some perspective on that, but because uh, they're from China, so I just thought, that, yeah. <laughs> Tony, get with the program, baby. I'm just trying to keep it going here. Well, listen, we're going to have to split right now. We're getting up to the top of the hour, and I've got to do a couple of things here, but uh, number one, the camp, you've got an event coming up. Uh, Tony Lima, give me your number again. They want to talk to you. What's your number? 305-646-4200, or they can always check us out on our website, www.miamisci.org. Terrific. Tony, thanks for coming. I mean, we better see you next Thursday here. I will be Thursday. Thanks so much, Rich. Okay, thanks a lot. Well, this is Rich Rothman on the Rich Rothman Show on uh, WKAT. It's 1360 for those of you who like to get digital. And our number is 305-447-3201. When we come back, we're going to be talking to uh, we have some really good stuff coming up in the second half of the, uh, the second hour. One, we have Elena Carpenter here. We want to get into conversation with her and all the success she's had in this community. We also have Alex who will be getting on the phone with us and giving us search for the perfect haircut, which is really important. And uh, particularly when we're talking about women in business, we want to all look good, including the men. And, uh, and then we have Charlotte Gologli uh, will be on the phone uh, chatting with us in just a little bit, uh, who's the president of the World Trade Center. So uh, we want you to stick around. We're going to be back in just a few minutes. Again, this is the Rich Rothman Show on uh, 1360 WKAT. We're streaming, by the way, on 1360WKAT.com. For those of you who want to stream on your computer, make it easier for you. You can find us on the dial. So uh, we'll be back. Don't go away. We've got a couple of bucks to make, and uh, we'll see you in just a few minutes. This is Rich. Has to guess that baby can't be blessed Till she finally sees that she's like all the rest With her fog, her amphetamine, and her pearls She takes just like a 